Praise the Lord. Good day to you. Welcome to the broadcast today. This is Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in the studio at Crossway Church. We are here every Monday and Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time, and I encourage you to tune in live when you can or make sure you go and watch these uh, broadcasts, these teachings of 1 Peter uh, on the Crossway Church Queen City, Texas Facebook page or Later, they're always uploaded to the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. And I'm just excited to be here with you today. As always, gathered around God's Word. No better place to be at any time in any part of our lives. Hallelujah. And uh, today we're in 1 Peter. We're in chapter 5. This is part 4 of this fifth chapter. And uh, so go ahead and get your Bibles, your pencil, your paper, prepare your hearts, ask the Lord to give you the truth you need today for your feet to be in. He said he'd guide us in all truth. That means more truth. Hallelujah. That means besides what you already know, he's trying to multiply his grace in your life through teaching you the truth it comes through. Hallelujah. Oh, how good he is to us. Hallelujah. How blessed he is to us. And God's word is the most precious thing we have in all the world. And you might say, no, uh, this or we or that. No, God's word is the most precious thing we have in all the world because it's God's word that brings the faith that we even know him through, that we walk with him by. It's his word that's the most precious thing of all. And his word became flesh. His name is Jesus. And his word went to the cross for us, laid his life down, and was buried and raised up again so that we could know him, love him, belong to him, and walk with him moment by moment. Praise be to God. Don't forget this month here in a little over a week away is Determined Youth Camp right outside of Palestine, Texas there. Beholding the life-changing lamb this year at Determined Youth Conference. And, and it's still not too late to sign up if you want to. Contact me, contact uh, Pastors Clint and Lindsey Bass there in Palestine, Texas at Christ Community Church. Get your kids to this camp. Get your kids to this camp where they can be around spirit-filled Christians who are focused on the Lamb, focused on the preaching and the teaching of the cross, the power of God, the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, it's a move of God that began so many years ago close to 30 years ago, and God says, don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire go out. Hallelujah. The fires only kindle from Calvary's cross, and don't let it go out. And we're determined here at Crossway Church to be a part of that everlasting kindled fire that flows from our Christ and what he did in his death on the tree. Hallelujah. First Peter this morning, chapter 5, let's look at verse 7 and allow the Holy Spirit today to impart the truth we desperately need into our hearts. Verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 5, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. What a powerful scripture this is. What a very comforting word from the Lord that we can receive if, if we look at what's written here and we understand how God works. And this is so important that we always not just take one Bible verse and run with it and do what we will with it, but we always have to look above it, below it, all around it, because I'm talking about context, the context of Scripture. What's really being written here and how does it really work for me? Because it doesn't work for anybody in any different way than it works for everybody. That is not Christianity. There's one way in to the Lord 
There's one way into the body of Christ. There's one way that we experience the working of the Holy Spirit. There's not two, three. There's one way. There's one faith. It's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ by which we live, Galatians 2 and 20. The Lord has given us the measure of that faith. And that's the only way we live. So there's not two ways, three ways. There's not whatever we want to do with Scripture. We must understand that these were letters written <coughs> with a certain context of a certain instruction, an opportunity, a potential opportunity if we find the righteousness of God's Word. It, it, we must always hold the truth in righteousness. Romans 1.18 tells us if we don't, then the wrath from heaven will be revealed against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness that is being produced, that is being bare because of our holding the truth in unrighteousness. So... I want, to, I want us to see this today. I pray the Lord would show us all a greater depth of truth in what we're seeing here. But you know, He can't do that unless we see the context of what's written here. Preachers all over the world will take a verse and do what they will with it. But a Bible verse is attached to the one before it and the one after it and really the context of the portion of the letter that's being written. So let's read this again and let's try to uh, see an in-depth view of what it means and how to cast our care upon the Lord because He cares for us. Watch this now. The word casting means literally to throw upon, to give the Lord uh, uh, our cares. And when you look at the word cares here, you will see it means, get this now, it means our anxieties and our distractions. That's what it means to cast your cares. When we're full of anxiety and worry and doubt and we find ourselves in unbelief instead of in faith, uh, these anxieties, these worries, and that's what the word care here means when it's pertaining to our cares, our anxieties and our distractions, we're told here we can cast those things upon the Lord because He cares for us. And let me say this, the Lord caring for us is different from us casting our cares on Him. Number one, His care for us never changes never stops. He always cares for us. He always is concerned about us. He always is focused on us. He always is trying to bring forth His will in our lives because He knows that His will is always what is best for us. The Bible says in Job chapter 7 verses 17 and 18 that He visits us every morning and that he tries us every moment. Right now is one of those moments. He's not trying us and as in condemning us or trying to do mean things to us. He is trying us to see if we will. This is one of those things. He's trying us to see if we will cast our anxieties and our fears, our distractions upon Him. But what we have to understand, and I mean this, what we have to understand here, this is not not just I say a few words or I tell the Lord I'm casting my cares on you. I must understand the only place that he will accept the distractions and the cares that I offer to him to, to be able to escape them is at the cross. That's where he accepts, that through what he did at Calvary, that is where he received us in all our distractions, all our anxieties. This is one of the reasons that he forbids our faith be in anything, our boast be in anything other than the cross where he died for us, where he took all of our distractions, all of our anxieties, all of our fears, and 
and he took them all upon himself. That's why, let me say it again, Galatians 6 and 14. That's why God forbids that we boast or place our faith in anything other than the death of Jesus because at that place 2,000 years ago is the place where by faith, even in this moment right now as God is trying us in this moment to see if we will by faith cast our cares upon Christ through faith in what he did on the cross. It's the only place that he takes our cares, fears, anxieties, and distractions, and he did it 2,000 years ago. You must understand that. He, he, listen, he, he's at the right hand of the Father now because of what he did at Calvary. He's interceding for you just by being at the right hand of the Father. He's not begging the Father to do anything for you. He's not. I, all my life I thought I, Jesus was at the right hand of the Father saying, every time I'd mess up, now, now, hold back, Father, hold, hold back now. He's one of ours. But the Bible says Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. His very life at the right hand of the Father allows Him to be our intercessor. And He interceded for us at Calvary. Hallelujah. And He ever, le he ever lives to be our intercessor because He interceded for us at Calvary. What He did at Calvary is what allowed Him to be raised the third day and to be exalted to be seated at the right hand of the Father. So uh, I don't want to get too far into that, but look at this. Cast all your care upon Him all your anxieties, all your distractions, no matter what it is that's troubling you, and that could be a, a multitude of things. It could be some little things, or it could be some devastating thing, but you and I are told to cast our anxieties, our distractions, our fears, everything that's hindering us, everything that's not of God, everything that's distracting us upon our Savior, our Savior. Because what, what do we need every moment? To be experiencing our salvation that's found in Christ. Deliverance from these fears, these anxieties, these distractions. What happens when He delivers us from these anxieties, these distractions? He, how does He deliver us? Through our faith in His death. Yes, but what is the fruit of our deliverance? Soundness of mind in the midst of all that's going on. Soundness of mind. In spite of how hard and devastating the news is, the diagnosis is, the, 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 oh, the awful things that have come to distract us and to hurt us and to bring fear into our lives, if I, if I know what it means to care, if I, if I know what it means to cast my care... Upon him, I will find my Lord. I said, I will find more than a Bible verse. I will find by my faith in his death, that which he did to open the door for all of my anxieties and fears to be dumped on him. Hallelujah. As the Lamb of God. Then I will find, I said, I will find by faith my Lord caring for me. It won't just be a Bible verse, my friend, in the midst of the greatest horror story that I may be going through. I will find my Lord caring for me with peace in my heart and my mind, soundness in my heart and my mind. I said, if I know how, to, if I know what it means to cast my cares upon the Lord, I will find my Lord caring for me. Hallelujah. And that's how you know you've got peace. By faith, when you cast your cares upon Him through giving all the things that are troubling you to Him by faith in His death from your heart then you will guaranteed find your Lord 
caring for you. There's so many, so many things, so many. I was just reading in a very popular uh, 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 commentaries by a certain man that I'd never heard of before, probably a year and a half or two years ago. And, uh, and I won't give you his name or his commentaries or anything, but you'll know what I'm talking about, even though you won't know who it is. But most of you probably wouldn't even know him because he's of a denomination that most people that listen to me aren't of. And so uh, he's writing, and, and, and I'm not being ugly, but it is just the typical, it is just the typical, and, and these, these ministers, they want to help God's people. There's no doubt about it. They want to help God's people. That's why they spend countless hours writing commentary and teaching and preaching messages. But, and I'm not being ugly. But when we say all the right things, what we're, all the things we're saying are scripturally right, but we're leaving out. It's what we're not saying that, that makes all the difference then it's just typical saying things that the Bible say, saying things that are right, but not ever bringing us to the place where they're applicable. They're applicable. They, where they can't be imparted. And to think the Holy Spirit just imparts truth just out of the blue, my friend, He can't impart anything to you you're not allowing Him to guide you into. Walk in, your feet in the path of righteousness. And you need to know that. You need to understand that. And these phrases we've heard all of our lives, like you just need to give that to the Lord, my friend. You just need to repent. You need to give it all to the Lord. You just need to surrender to the Lord. And all these things that are true statements... But if they don't point you to the place of surrender, it's not surrendering to go to church. It's not surrendering to do this. And it's the only place God sees is a place that men can surrender to their hearts to Him is by placing their faith in His Son's death. It's the only place of surrender. It's the only place where we throw up our hands and say, I give up. I'm tired of doing it my way. And if it's not at the cross, Cross, then no matter the tears, no matter what we're saying, we are not at the place of surrender yet. The only place of surrender is at the cross. And so we're going to see that in the scriptures this morning. If you missed the last session or so, especially the last session, you need to go back and listen to it because it was focused in on the humility that we have to have in our lives. And we're going to see how that relates to being able to, by the Spirit of the Lord, through faith, to cast our cares, our anxieties, and our distractions upon our Lord because we know He cares for us. So let's all these phrases that are being used, a lot of them are so, they're right. You need to repent. There's sin in your life. You, you need to surrender to the Lord. But if, if the church doesn't know, that means coming back to the cross. Coming back to the place they began. Coming back to their first love. Beginning to walk in the place where they're determined to know nothing, trust in nothing, boast in nothing, preach nothing, teach nothing, but the cross of Christ. Then they, they're they not being told how what they are being told to do can happen. All my life I was told, you just need to give that to the Lord. And if it stops there, we all have our own opinions and they all lead to thousands of different paths of death. That's right. If we're not being pointed using God's Word to the cross of Christ, we're, we're just being told things that may be right, but they're not applicable to us. The cross is what makes the Word of God applicable to us, our faith therein. To disagree with this would mean that you also think there are many ways people can get saved outside of simple faith in Christ and Him crucified. There's no way to be saved other than a conscious and deliberate trust from the heart in that sacrifice of Christ for you on Calvary's tree. There is no other way to be found by God living for God with the benefits of Christ's death 
outside of faith from the heart in the death of Christ. Crucified. And if we're not being told these things, we're just playing uh, vain imagination and make-believe. We're like rubbing a, trying to rub a lamp and get a genie to pop out. And they do it this way. They found that way works for them. But this church has found that way works for them. And my friend, there is no way of God except Christ and His way of the cross. No way... Other exist from heaven among men except the way of righteousness, which only comes through faith in the death of Jesus Christ. We have to know that. So let's look back very quickly as we move through these scriptures this morning and see really what it means and how we cast our cares upon the Lord because surely we know He cares for us. If our focus is not Calvary, what Jesus did on the cross, I promise you many Christians will and already have begin to wonder if their Lord even cares about them, allowing them to go through this. Surely He knew about this before it ever happened. Surely He could have stopped this. Surely He could stop it now. And, and, and we begin to doubt and our anxieties and our fears can turn into unbelief and can sometimes even turn into anger anger toward God unless we are beholding the Lamb. Behold the Lamb. When you're beholding the Lamb, then you understand that God's wisdom far outweighs what we think. That His purpose and His way of thinking is so much higher than ours as far as the heavens are above the earth, but that He does love us in spite of what we're going through. He does care for us. He is reaching for us. He will help us in the midst of all adversity. Though we fall seven times, the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get back up. But let me tell you, he don't get back up by himself. He gets back up because he gets his faith back in what made him righteous, back in the cross of Jesus Christ, and he's able to get back up. Hallelujah. Watch this now. Let's back up to verse 5 because the context here is of utmost importance. Verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. These words are not liked among the church. Submit. Be subject to other people. We don't like that. And when we get even near that, we'll all of a sudden think God's telling us it's time to go from this church to find another church. When we finally begin to move into the place where the body of Christ can function better and me be a functioning part of it where uh, I'm almost to the place of understanding that I must submit myself to the elder and be subject one to another, all of a sudden I think I hear God telling me it's time to move on. No, my friend, it's time that you understand the truth and be planted <coughs> in the house of the Lord that you might flourish in the courts of your God. Psalms 91. Hallelujah. Or is it not Psalms 92? One of those. And because the body of Christ works properly in this area right here. Watch now. Watch the last part of this verse. 5. And be clothed with humility because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And remember last week we talked about how God gives grace to those who are clothed in humility and nobody else. And those who are clothed in humility are those have, who have their faith in Christ and what He did through humility and obedience at the cross. Humility is not just some way I'm choosing to be nice and sweet and well-mannered and we all need to be those things, but that's not humility. Humility receives grace. And grace received is for obedience unto the faith. That's why we're told not to turn the grace 
grace we've received into lasciviousness, lawlessness, a license to sin because we have received it, Romans 1 and 5, for obedience to the faith. Remember that. So we see then in verse 6, and the Holy Spirit is working us to a place here. He's walking us to a place here that you won't get to unless this part of the scripture is applied to your heart. Get this. He guides us into all truth. And we don't experience all truth until he guides us into more truth. Get that. So verse 6, humble yourselves therefore. Therefore. Humble yourselves because God won't give you grace unless you do. Unless we find the place where we can be humble before God, which is only at the cross. It's not in what I do and how I act. It's what my faith is in. Again, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5 tells us there's one faith. That means there's only one object of faith. If there's one faith then that means that that faith is as powerful as its object. And our Bible tells us in Galatians 2 and 20 that the faith we live by is the faith of the Son of God, here comes its object, who loved us and gave himself for us. That was the object of Christ's faith. What he did for us at Calvary by grace through faith and love And if that's what our faith is in, then we are found humble before God because I remember last week's teaching, our humility, if it's not the humility of Christ, it's not scriptural humility. It's just us acting a certain way and us labeling it as humility. Scriptural humility is the humility of Christ found in my heart because my faith is in what He did through humility and obedience unto death on the cross, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. So watch this now, verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Stay at the cross, my friends, and always be awaiting for that time of exaltation. Christ's way of exaltation was the cross through humility and obedience unto death on the cross. And our way of exaltation is by keeping our faith in the crucified Christ that was crucified through weakness, 2 Corinthians 13 and 4, because he committed himself to the one who judges righteously, 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23, so that we can be found humble before God and Him giving us grace that only flows from Calvary's cross. Remember, Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men. Without us tasting of that death by faith, moment by moment, there is no grace for us. We will stamp this action as humility, we will stamp this action as grace, but without a conscious and deliberate faith in the sacrifice of Christ, that which He did through humility and obedience by the grace of God through faith, there is no grace in faith and humility or anything else for us in our experience. This is why the Lord through Paul said that He forbids our Boast our faith be in anything other than the death, the cross of Christ, the Lamb of God slain for us. Hallelujah. Glory be to good. It is so good when the Lord shows you something very, very precious. That for me recently is the Lord showing us how the, 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 His focus, God's focus imparted to Paul, Paul receiving that same focus, which was God's determination to to look upon nothing, to speak through, to work through nothing, but the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And now, uh, us as well now, receiving this great illumination of God's word concerning the cross of Christ. When, When Paul said, I'm determined to know nothing, but Christ crucified. And and today when we say that, 
we're talking about, we're, and he was talking about, and it's God's will that you understand this, that his thoughts toward, concerning this is that we know nothing and focus on nothing but the slain lamb. To, to be determined to know nothing but the cross of Christ is really to be focused on nothing but the Lamb of God slain to receive riches, glory, power, honor, and blessing because that's the place we are beholding by faith, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, that allows the Spirit of God to change us into that image and take us from glory to glory. Without this truth, it's pretending it's vain imagination. It's us doing this and stamping humility on it. It's us doing that and stamping grace on it. If it's not faith in the death of Jesus, deliberately and consciously, my friends, from the heart, moment by moment, then we are really not even learning the Word properly. Because Jesus said in Luke 14, 26 and 27, if you don't bear your cross, you cannot be my disciple. The word disciple means learner. Without bearing the cross, that means following Christ through faith in His cross uh, is the only avenue of our denial of self. And we, we can't learn. We only learn by beholding the Lamb. Let me say it again. We only learn by beholding the Lamb. He is the light. He is the teacher. He is the way. He is the power. He is the wisdom. Hallelujah. We don't, we're not learning anything outside the realm of the impartation of men to men if we're not beholding the Lamb. And so the place of beholding the Lamb and refusing to look at, trust in, uh, boast in, uh, point to anything other than the Lamb is not humility. It's not humility and it's not being clothed with humility. Being clothed with humility, we must remember where we were first clothed with humility. It's when we were clothed with Christ, the humble one, when we were born again. You were in the dressing room. His name is Jesus. But the attire in the dressing room being Christ, being the armor of light, being the whole armor of God, being being. The new man, everything that we're dressed in is because we're dressed with Christ upon us. This garment, this, this cloak of humility is another, another thing that God dressed us with by, put, by putting Christ on us when we entered into His death by faith. And it's only when our faith returns deliberately and consciously in his death, my place of union with him, unity with him, the only place that I'm really walking with Christ in union with him is when my faith is in what brought me into union with him, which is his death. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Watch this. So we're, we're told here to be clothed with humility because God won't give grace to those who are not. Get this now. We're told to be clothed with humility because God won't give grace to those who are prideful. Who are the prideful? It's not just those who walk around with their chest puffed out like they're better than everybody else. That's one end of the of the stick of pride. The other end of that stick of pride is very deceitful and very deceptive. It's those who are holding God's words in an unrighteous context. And they're not meaning to do it. They're not meaning to do it. But deceit and deceitful means I'm doing something, I'm believing it's something that I think is right, but it's not. Remember Proverbs 12 and 17 says, He who speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. 
Let's read that again, Proverbs 12 and 17. He who speaks truth shows forth righteousness, the righteousness of God's Word. It always culminates and comes to that common common denominator, that point of impact and climax and impartation being Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Think about that now. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness, deceit. A false witness puts something out there that looks right, but it's not right. It it only looks right. And the Bible tells us more than once in the book of Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. If it's not culminating, if it doesn't have its climax at Calvary, the Christ of Calvary, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, my friend, we're looking at something that cannot be imparted. We're looking at something that we cannot be molded into. And we're looking at the Word in a way that cannot be applied to our lives. I hope you're hearing the truth in what's being said today. Let's read it one more time as the Lord stirs my heart to do so. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. That's what must be seen because our feet must be found walking in the way of our Savior's steps. And Psalms 85 13 tells us that righteousness went before Him and has set us now in His steps. Amen. Proverbs 8 and 20 tells us that our Lord leads in the paths of righteousness. If our soul is found distracted and distressed and in anxiety, what did the Lord tell David and tell him to write in Psalms 23 and 3? The Lord restores my soul. How? He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Glory be to God. The paths of righteousness always have a view of the righteous one and the righteous one's work on the cross. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So watch this. Man, that, that was a powerful little I hate to call it a dump, but it was a a powerful unloading of truth right there that you may need to go back and listen to again. And you could do yourself a big favor if you would write these things down and and, and let the Holy Spirit minister to you even greater in in a more depth way into your heart. These are powerful truths the church does not know but desperately needs to know and can know if they if they will just admit they're pretending and their their opinions aren't working and and the preacher is telling them and they are agreeing with what these preachers are, are saying but their lives are not changing they won't change. They want to please God. They want to live before God according to the word in the right way, but they're not seeing the change. They're not seeing they're not seeing what they know they need to be seeing. My friend, these are the truths that can bring about the reality of God's word being applied to your heart to Uh, to bring about the experience of Christ in your life with fruit of it. Hallelujah. To move you off the milk onto the meat, to bring you into a greater place of functionality as a living part of the body of Christ. More than a a backside sitting in a pew, more than a, a, a chapter every morning, more than whatever, you can be a functioning, part of the body of Christ and you can see change. One of the most beautiful things we'll ever see in the scripture for us children of God is 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 that tells us we behold as in a glass, meaning a mirror there, the the very glorious image that we're being changed into. And we know according to Philippians 3 and 10 that what we're being made conformable to is the death of Jesus as we've already discussed this morning, the very humility and obedience of the one who trusted uh, 
in the one who judges righteously even as he hang on the cross. But 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we're beholding that as in a mirror, that we can watch that what God did in Christ, to Christ at Calvary on our behalf. And if that's where our faith is in, not we say, well, of course I believe in the cross. No, if that's what we're trusting in and beholding and depending on, that's where we're casting our cares upon the Lord, then we can watch as in a mirror the Spirit of the Lord taking us from glory to glory, changing us into that very image. It just doesn't get more beautiful than that, my friend, that what God did in Christ at Calvary, we can watch as in a mirror Him changing us into what He did to His Son there on Calvary's tree. Come on now, somebody. We're not dying for sin. Jesus did that for us. What we're being made conformable to is the humility and the obedience of our Savior who trusted completely in His heavenly Father who only judges righteous judgment. Glory be to God. This is why Jesus would tell us in John 7, 24 that you are to be found judging, but your judgment must be righteous judgment. And the righteous judgment of God always culminates and ends up on Calvary's cross. Did it not end up bringing Jesus to the cross, dying on the cross for you and me? God's righteous judgment always ends up in God's redemption. Hallelujah. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Oh, at the cross, at the cross where I will only see the light. It's what makes God's word a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Only the cross of my Savior. Hallelujah. Watch this now. Just to backtrack for a moment. God, the Holy Spirit is working us to a place in this letter where He wants us to see how we can cast. Where we can cast all of our anxieties, all of our distractions upon Him. We don't do it because we say we do. We don't do it because we feel some certain way. We do it when we're beholding the Lamb. It's the only place. It's the only dumping grounds where we, we, we cast, we dump all our fears, all our anxieties on Him where He took them at Calvary. I said where He took them at Calvary. And you might be saying, well, I... I I need him here now to dump my stuff. I don't. Two thousand years ago, you better get that mindset gone because if that's your mindset, that means you don't even think people can be saved by what he did two thousand years ago. Oh, my friends, it's what he did two thousand years ago on that tree that allowed us today to be in Him, that allowed us whenever you were saved to be in Him, to be forgiven, justified, declared righteous, welcomed into the Beloved. If He can save you now because you believed upon Him and what He did 2,000 years ago, then you better know you can cast every care, every distraction, every anxiety, every ounce of fear, doubt, and unbelief that you're experiencing on Him and what He did 2,000 years ago. And His arms are still wide open because of what He did 2,000 years ago. And He'll still through your faith in Him and what He did there 2,000 years ago, show you, He will show you, manifest Himself to you as the one who cares for you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. He will manifest Himself to you as the good shepherd who's caring for you, a sheep in His pasture. But notice here, the Holy Spirit is walking us through the Scriptures so that we will know that we must be cloaked with humility. We must be clothed with humility. That means our faith must be in the sacrifice because if it's not, God cannot give us the grace we need desperately. See, when we cast our anxieties and our distractions upon the Lord because we know He cares for us, what He's going to do is give us grace to walk us through. 
I said what He's going to do for us is give us grace to walk us through. You remember the Apostle Paul, he's crying out to God, Oh, deliver me from this thorn in my flesh. But the Bible tells us that God's the one that gave him that thorn. Oh, somebody needs to hear that today. God's the one that gave Paul that thorn. And though Paul is crying out for God to take something away from him that God gave to him. Oh, somebody needs to hear that today. And Paul is answered, God answers Paul and said, My grace is sufficient for you. In this situation you're in, God says, His grace is sufficient for you. See, if you find His grace, you'll find Him as the one who cares for you. Not just in something you read in the Bible, but something that you read in the Bible that'll bring faith. And when He finds faith, He becomes that spirit of grace that you need. And He tells Paul in his utter moment of grace, great need there and and as he's as he's in anxiety and and he's being distracted by this thorn in his flesh and the lord tells him something most amazing he says my strength oh he says my strength is made perfect in your weakness You see, this is what grace does. Grace, the spirit of grace. Grace, let me say it again, the church doesn't know this and I'm talking about 99.9% of all the church right now doesn't know that grace is not just floating around. It's not just some power or a power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace, God, the Holy Spirit. And when he finds faith anchored in the sacrifice of Christ, he becomes the spirit of grace to comfort us, to manifest himself to us in the midst of our anxieties, fears, and distractions. He manifests himself to us as a power and a strength being made perfect in our weakness. Do you hear that? Do you understand that? But it's through our choosing. It's through that which is a potential and not a guarantee just for anybody anywhere just because they're saved. It is a potential opportunity for those who make their way back to Calvary as the object of their faith deliberate and conscious, I know what I'm trusting in, my union with Christ in His death. That's where I'm hidden with Him in God. That's where I'm being made conformable to that very image there. That's what I'm trusting in. That's my boast. Hallelujah. And there I find my God, my Savior, as the one who cares for me. If He spared not His only Son, but delivered Him up on the cross for me, how shall He not, because of that, find me with Him? How shall He not... Give me all things freely with Him. Give me all things freely. Get this, I'm quoting Romans 8 and 32. How shall He not with Him freely give me all things? But my being with Him is my faith in Him and what He did at Calvary. Not some overhead blanket statement. Well, of course I believe in the cross. I don't, all the, all the, the racket about the cross, the cross, the cross. Of course we believe in the cross. No, my friend. We don't use that. Paul didn't use that. And our God doesn't intend on you using that as just some blanket statement. Well, of course we believe in the cross, but it's what you must be beholding to see your God as all that He claims He is to you through the Lamb. Remember Revelation 5, I believe it's 5 and 12, that says the song the saints are singing in heaven, and we'll all be gathered there here in just a few moments, be singing this together with the angels. Behold the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God that was slain to receive. Riches and honor and glory and blessing and power. Slain to receive. 
because it's the only avenue of impartation. But the New Testament tells us not just because he was slain, because Jesus said most won't make heaven. So it's not just because he was slain, nor is it just because we were born again, but it's because he finds us now as he tries us moment by moment, Job 7, 17 and 18. He tries us to see if he will find us trusting in the sacrifice of Christ. Because there, my friend, he finds that faith of his son that he's able to give the same grace to us that he tasted death by. And that's where we'll find our God, our Lord, being the one who cares for us. Far more than words we read on paper, but that faith that comes. And when faith comes, faith overcomes. Oh my goodness. When faith comes, faith overcomes. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5 that it's our faith that overcomes the world that means all of the world's fears and anxieties and distractions, all the world's doubts, all the world's unbelief. Our faith is that by which we overcome. But yet we find ourselves many times, though we've received the measure of faith dealt to us, Romans 12, 3, we find ourselves many times not overcoming, not experiencing the victory of Christ, the peace of Christ, all the benefits. Why is that? Let me just make sure you understand today, it's because the object of our faith can be very easily moved to ourself. Am I trusting in Christ and what He did? Or am I listening to my flesh or a preacher or grandma or someone tell me what I must do to find the grace of God instead of what I must continue to believe that I believed at the first that allowed me to receive the grace of God to save me. Because it's not a different something for a different grace. The grace Jesus tasted death by is the grace I need to preach and to teach and to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, to raise my children in the admonition of the Lord, to be able to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to give the cloak and another cloak to those who are needy. It's that same grace that saved me that keeps me and will appear at the revelation of Christ to me when he comes for me. It's all about the cross, my friend. It's all about the cross. That's what makes us all about the Lamb. Hallelujah. So watch this now. we got to get a little more into this. Verses 5 and 6 tell us to be clothed with humility. Be humble. Humble yourselves. Be clothed with humility. This is the humility of Christ through faith in His sacrifice. Then we can cast all our care upon our Savior because... We know He cares for us. And we won't have to go through life saying, well, I know my Lord says He cares for me, but why this and why that? Cast your care upon Him at the place it can be cast upon Him, and you will find, let me say it one more time this morning, you will find your Lord being the one who cares for you. Now watch the verse after this, because we're reading context here this, this day. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now we've got these fears and these anxieties and these distractions and the devil sees that we have them. And the devil will play upon those things. He will play upon those things. This is why we must be cloaked in humility. It's the only avenue of receiving grace. And grace is the only avenue of receiving the moving of the Holy Spirit of grace by faith. 
being sober. Let's look these things up this morning. It means to be found being discreet. That word means discerning. We're told here, let's go over this again. There is no casting our cares upon the Lord because we know He cares for us and us finding ourselves by faith in the experience of this great promise without being cloaked in humility, which means having our faith in the one object being the death of Jesus. And because if that's not where our faith is, we're not going to have the right discernment, which is what being sober means. Now you want to, you, you're listening to me today and the Lord is showing you what has the church all over the world in all its disarray and so many denominations going so many different opinionated ways and using the word for their own opinions instead of all being gathered around God's focus which is the focus of the Lamb then we're using the word in all sorts of different ways and all sorts of different applications and there's only one place of application and that's at the cross as our faith is therein and then the Word of God as truth is applied to our hearts because only there can our hearts be found believing unto righteousness. So the word sober here, and we have to be sober. If we're not sober, if we're not discerning, then we're not going to understand how to cast our cares our anxieties and our distractions upon the Lord, we're going to think we can just say a few words and it work. We're going to think, well, I'm in trouble. I can just go to church and it work. We can think, well, I can just start reading a chapter a day and my anxieties and my fears will go away. No, without the cross, the focus of the Lamb, nothing's going away. They're only going to intensify because we now think that because we're doing something that... Our anxieties and our distractions are going to go away, but until we behold the Lamb, my friend, they're not, not only not going to go away, they're going to bury us deeper through what we're doing. Let's turn over as we get ready to close today, and we'll start this next session later on here in this same place because this is critical, this is crucial. Not knowing what I'm, not knowing these truths today. It's what holds the church paralyzed and blind and for the most part asleep and dead. And no, I don't think I know everything. And no, I don't think I'm the only one that knows these great truths. But I know what's right and I'm sharing them with you and I pray that you'd share these with many other people in every avenue that you have. Because until the church knows these things, knows the focus has to be the Lamb, not we say it is, but keep our other focuses. The focus in everything has to be the Lamb. Then we'll stay paralyzed. We'll stay asleep. And we'll stay in division. We'll stay separated. We'll stay in disarray. We'll stay in fear. And we'll stay in lack. Until we all gather around the Lamb. And the focus becomes the Lamb. Not for a weekend, but forever. Hallelujah. Watch this now. Romans 7, 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions, meaning the passions of sins, and that word here is the sin nature, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Let's read this again, and I've got to close, but listen to this, Romans 7, 5. When we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law. That means everything we're doing with our faith in what we're doing is trusting in the sin nature. And we don't know. That's serving the sin nature, Romans 6.16. It's not serving obedience, the obedience of Christ, under righteousness that we began serving when we were born again. But this one verse in Romans 7 and 5 tells us that when we're trusting in what we do, then the sin nature is burying us deeper under the law with the fruit of separation from God even though we don't know it. That's why he that speaks forth truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness, those that are holding God's word and not pointing to the lamb slain, they're, they're showing us something that seems right, but it's deceitful. It won't work. It won't work. Either the Word of God is becoming the law of our liberty, which is faith in the death of Jesus, 
or it remains as the law of legalities and just us doing. You need to do these three things and then God will. You need to do this and then you need to do this. And oh my goodness, which way do I go? How much do I have to do? See, instead of it, us all being gathered around the finished work of the perfect lamb, we, we, we gather around things that keep us in disarray and separation from each other. The titles and names of men, the titles and names of denominations, none of that is an object of faith. And when it is, even though we say it's not, it is just like Catholics say they don't worship Mary, but they do. A lot of what's called denominational, they say their faith is not in their legacy or their history or their denominational name, but it is. It keeps us from being gathered around the Lamb. One faith, one focus, one boast, one path. And until we come back to that church, we'll stay like we are and we won't be able to function like we should because we only function properly as one body, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. It's been a great broadcast today. I pray that God has been able to impart the truth into your heart. I know He has if you've been hungry for truth, and I know that He will guide you further into His truth if you desire that He do so. And He will teach you the truth, guide you into all of the liberty that's there waiting for us if we bear our cross, if we keep beholding the glorious Lamb that was slain for us on Calvary's tree. God bless you. I love you. And I pray that today you would find Jesus Christ, your good shepherd, as the one who absolutely cares for you. And I pray today would be the day that the Lord's hands are laid on you and you receive the very provision that you need, whether it be a healing in your body, soundness in your mind, direction and instruction for your journey ahead. He's faithful. He's there to give you, to be to you all that you ever need. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.